morning, good afternoon, and welcome to episode four of the Dollar Dog Sundays podcast presented by Tailgater Sports Media Company. No bullshit takes with a bite. I'm your host, Brian Pulaski. Along with me, our co-host, Cousin Joey, Mr. Young Buckets Esquire, Kevin Pulaski, and Glenn Coco Barnett, brand new host to the show. Episode four, boys, how we doing? Fantastic. Feel good, feel great. I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? Well, the first thing we got to do is we got to let Glenny kind of talk about himself here. We got to know who you, who people want to know who you are, Glenn. So, oh, mind uh, taking the floor early well, on uh, in the podcast. Glenn Barnett. I mean, I grew up Melrose, been playing sports all my life, three sport athlete in high school, played a little college baseball, uh, ba- baseball, basketball, and football in high school. Uh, big. Uh, fantasy guy, love any kind of fantasy, anything from football, basketball, baseball, hockey, uh, MLB. I mean, anything that has fantasy sports betting, I'm in on it. Love a big golf, a good golf game too. So just a big sports guy in general. Love talking about sports. Happy to be here with you guys. It's an honor. So Glennie is going to be kind of filling the gap that we've had uh, that I know that a lot of our listeners have noticed is that we don't talk enough about the Chicago Cubs. Glenn here is a diehard fan and will definitely give us another perspective in the realm of professional baseball. So we're excited to have him. Um, We're going to have him on every week from here on out. And hopefully we will have Daniel Doug Mutter joining us next week as well with a five-man hosting cast. I think that'll be something really special boys because i think there's gonna be a lot of fucking perspective from there on out so the more opinions uh, the better <laughs> yeah we got a lot of we got a lot of big opinions we got a lot of great opinions that we gotta share and we got the uh white Sox cubs recap coming up right now so joe i know you have told me you had something in your chest for about a week that you got to get out and i know you got a lot to talk about so why don't you take take it here first Oh, God. First of all, me and Brian have been texting back and forth during these games. But um, like I always do every week, I like have some positives and negatives about the White Sox for the week. Um, the positives, actually, surprisingly, the fill-ins uh, for second and shortstop have been doing pretty well. Uh, Danny Mendick and Leary Garcia. Put some respect on that name. Yeah. I mean, uh, Danny Mendick surprised me. He was three for three, his first, his first start against the Brewers. Hold on. Um, I just want to point something out, Joe. Yeah, go ahead. Danny Mendick, the Dixter bandwagon early on in the game. And I just want to say, boy's been a Danny Mendick guy. No, continue. That's true. That's true. He has been. But I wasn't. I wasn't big on Danny Mendick when he first started. But I think he's doing a good job filling in. Am I ready to suck his dick? No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, but he's. I think he is a good backup player, and he could fill in whenever someone's hurt, like Madrigal or Anderson. And I think it's a good thing to have. He had a really smart play. Uh, in last yesterday's game, he kept the tag on the guy stealing second. And because he kept the tag on him, he slid off the bag for a brief moment, but he's out. Like, that's an out. And a lot of players don't do that. They'll just try to tag, swipe it, and just leave the tag off. But that was a really smart play by Mendick. And Leary Garcia has been hitting a ton. So, we, I mean, everybody knows that. Um, his fielding is still has some issues, but he's getting a little better at it. Honestly, um, honestly, if you look at that, though, I mean, no matter who you have at short, whether it's T.A. or earlier, you're going to kick about fucking two it's, balls. It's a hard game. position to play, definitely. Um, so that's, those are my positives. And then um, I have a couple negatives, and I'll start with one that really grinded my fucking gears. And that was Eloy Jimenez's error 
against Christian Yelich's inside the park home run. That was the worst effort I've ever seen any outfielder. And I love Eloy, but that was a terrible play. And he decided to relax in the the net like a fucking hammock. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, he was struggling to get to that ball. He was really slow. He didn't have a good jump on the ball. And he didn't even get in front of it. Die for it or something. Get in front of the fucking ball. I personally – I personally have never seen a worse effort in the outfield in the history of, of, of my watching of professional baseball, amateur baseball. Uh, I even have gone to T-ball games and seen better routes out there. This, this guy we know is going to be a guy that will drive in 100 runs and hit 40 home runs yearly. I mean, it's going to be an annual thing for him if he keeps it up. But the problem for me, is the fact that they don't even think of him as a DH at this point because he's so young. Which right. I, know, I know you don't have a ton of guys to go out there and play left field, especially with the shortened season, the injuries we've been suffering from. But to me, to watch him go to that ball, <laughs> to watch him go to that ball and not ha- – I mean, like you could have given him a, a GPS and he wouldn't have been able to track that thing down. And he ends up going so hard towards the line because he has zero body control at this point for whatever reason and decides to lay into the netting, which uh, Guaranteed Rate obviously put up last year as a effort to keep people from being hit with foul balls. Um, and Christian Yelich, I, I, I mean, did you guys watch him run around the bases? I mean, he's probably going 25% around first. Yeah, I would say he stuttered. And then he, like, he, he didn't run all like full speed around first and he still got inside a park home run because that's how bad of a fielding job that was by Eloy. Yeah. So 25% around first base, he looks and he sees Eloy jump into the stance. Now he's fucking putting oh, on. Now the, pulling, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's putting it on and you know, he's going a hundred miles an hour around second. And I'm thinking to myself, if he doesn't get to this ball any quicker, it's over. I mean, it's, it's, he's going to touch home and he does. And I just, I have to wonder, is there ever been anything as bad? I mean, you got Canseco uh, getting hit in the head uh, and bouncing over the wall for a home run. Um, There's been some crazy bad errors, but that is actually considered a hit, and it it may be the worst error that I've ever seen. Right. I I hate that they consider that a hit because it didn't touch the glove, but that was one of the worst plays I've seen in my lifetime. But um, anyway, I want (laughs) to – also add to the fact that our young core hitting started out really well this year. And, you know, when you have talent like that, they're going to be powerhouses when you start out. But good teams are going to adjust to them. And I think I posted this on Facebook recently. The Sox weakness are sliders or curveballs low and away. They can't lay off them. They're young hitters. They're not going to lay off them at first. But a good team is going to adjust them and see that. So they're going to pitch them. And that's what the Brewers and Indians are with great pitching staffs. Yep. And they did do that, and they shut them down. And I think as a manager, you have to remind your players, guys, we need to lay off these pitches. Be more patient at the plate and, um, you know, wait for your pitch. You don't have to swing at everything. The problem is that we're free swingers, which is – I mean, I, com- I completely agree with you, but I, I think that comes from a different place. I, th- I don't necessarily think Ricky's the one that sits down with, sits down with these guys and says, hey, you know what, we got to be better. You know, you, you guys are swinging through 0-1 sliders away. Um, you know, that, that comes back down to, you know, the upbringing. So you got to go to Frank Menachino, who's kind of seen these guys uh, year after year and, and even brought them up from AAA ball up to professional baseball. And you have to wonder, you know, what is he telling them to do with their approach? I mean, some guys just have exploding shit. You're, you're going to see Chapman, you know, 
you know, throw a hundred miles an hour and then bring you a slider at 92. I mean, it's tough to hit. But when you got guys like Zach Plesak, who obviously is a young up and coming star, I think he'll end up being a guy that's a long stay in Cleveland. Um, when he throws a slider on Oh one, I mean, that's, he's got a, you know, good stuff, but he doesn't have great stuff. And the fact that you're seeing these guys uh, uh, with the approaches that they have, it kind of either, you know, it leans towards the lack of uh, preparation, whether it's with uh, Medicino or whatever uh, analytics team, you know, you need to know how many times you're going to see that a game, especially Eloy. So Eloy, again, I know I've been shitting on Eloy all, all, episode thus far with the worst fly ball uh, route of all time. But like I said, I know Eloy's going to be a great player for us. Um, but something that drives me crazy with him is the same, the same thing. I mean, he'll see two or three fastballs early in the count and he'll either miss one or he won't swing at one. And now he's Oh two. What is the only pitch that motherfucker is going to see something soft and away. And that's yeah, exactly. it. No one's, not gonna, no one's gonna give him anything good. Right. And I don't understand how as a professional baseball player, you don't recognize the fact that you're gonna see a breaking ball or something fucking out of the zone. You know, I mean it's very rare that they throw this guy three fastballs in a row. But if they do, they're gonna throw it up. And I'd rather him strike out at a pitch he's looking at the top of the zone than try to swing at something low and away. I I, I mean, it's a weird uh a, a weird place we're in right now it's a lot of young guys trying to learn the league um but it, it's also really exciting right and i also want to talk about a couple of young pitchers uh birdie had his debut looked really yes. good looked great hard man 99 he's got some gas taking bummers through a play. lot of shit been yeah, through a lot of shit that. car accident uh yeah. arm injury yeah great great pitcher um and then um matt foster has been impressing the hell out of me so he gets his first start has two scoreless innings now I'm wondering why did they put Drew Anderson in after two score innings? Can Foster not go past two or something? Is there something going on with that? I, if if a pitcher's playing a no hit, pitching a no hit game for two innings, you don't take him out. So like, I think I think what that effort was supposed to be, uh, similar to what the Rays have been doing, kind of um, revolutionizing the relief pitching uh, uh, that they have into starter types, uh, the opener as it's been called. Uh, I think that was our attempt to kind of have, uh, instead of having a, a fifth starter, kind of having an opener uh, take the lead as our as our fifth day guy. Um, Foster may uh, have you know five innings in him, but I'm not sure. Right. So I think that's what it was supposed to be. But the fact that we went with Drew Anderson to to lengthen Foster or you know bridge the gap between Foster and uh, Jace Fry or whoever we were going to bring in, it just didn't make much sense. I don't, I don't ever want to see that guy pitching ever again. Holy fuck. And, it, yeah, it's just, again, bad decision. I'm all for second chances, Joe. Oh, I'm not. If, I, if you fucking suck, get the fuck out. I'm, I'm just kidding. But, um, I mean, it goes back to I, – I talked about this in another podcast. I don't like Renteria's in-game decisions. Fundamentally, I think he's good. But I think his in-game decisions just – they just make me scratch my head. I, I don't want to see – Renteria managing his team next year. I mean, I know maybe some people do, but I don't like Renteria. I'd rather see if Ozzy could come back. Holy shit, that'd be fantastic. But I gave a suggestion. We got to give up. We got to give up 05, man. You got to look in. We got to look forward and not in the rearview mirror. Speaking of 05, though, I have a suggestion for a new manager. 
And a lot of – I know you Cub fans are going to hate this, Glenny. Oh, I would love I to see AJ Pierzynski to be the White God, Sox manager. Guy's a stooge. He is so smart about the game. He knows so much about the game. I love AJ. He would, he would be – Will not argue he, that. He would be a, a great manager. But the problem is with him, when you're looking at just AJ Pierzynski right now, he's a guy who is living his best life, drinking, golfing, doing whatever the fuck he wants. And he's now an, uh, an analyst, I believe, with Fox Sports. So yeah, he is yeah. doing stuff in the booth, which also keeps him around the game enough to know, you know, relevant, you know, relevant players, things like that, which is great. But I don't think he'll ever give up those uh, perks that he's got going for him right now to come and manage a Major League Baseball team. Joe, I just wanted to wrap up a little bit of the White Sox talk. Uh, I noticed the same thing with Danny Mendick. Um, he, he looked great all week, uh, for whatever reason, he really turned it on hitting the ball, both, both ways, which that's the biggest thing that I saw. He was the only guy to really shorten up his swing, and go to right field all week, which I don't understand why we're not doing that more. Um, uh, there's obviously reasons behind a lot of these things that maybe we don't see behind closed doors. Um, Mankata and Robert are continuing to thrive. Mankata has got a three Oh five average with three home runs and six RBIs thus far. He's looking like a guy that can compete for an MVP award, the things that we've been pr uh, promised, uh, and now that it's being delivered in, in a sense. Uh, Detroit is coming up for the three-game series, which is a big three-game series for the White Sox to hopefully run away with. And then we get St. Louis after that, which was supposed to be the Field of Dreams game, but because of casinos and the lack of ability to stay in place, the uh, Cardinals are now going to have to uh, postpone that with us uh, for next year. Uh, Cease also had a, a fantastic start for being it was the best worst start I've ever seen right. I've never seen a guy walk four out of five leadoff hitters and, and walk walk away with a goose egg I've never fucking seen it um, but I'll take what I can get the guy was throwing uh, consistently around 100 miles an hour and his breaking shit looked filthy um, I'll take that any day of the week before I, I, I take an L that's for sure once he but, learns control the guy's gonna be great He's, he's going to be one of the guys that I think uh, are, are a mainstay in the rotation, and uh, I'm really excited to see where he goes. Uh, we are going to switch gears here to the Chicago Cubs, and I'm going to let Glennie take it away here. Uh, Glennie, I mean, the Cubs are, are, are on fucking fire right now, uh, sitting at 10-3. and three. Um, I mean, it's the best, best, uh, <laughs> best start for them in a long time. Best start for them in a long time is right. I mean, they look fantastic. David Ross has taken over that uh, what's called clubhouse, and he has these guys, you know, trusting in their coach again. I mean, Madden, you guys seen last couple years, you know, started losing the clubhouse a little bit. That last year, I mean, it was inevitable he was gone. You know, it was just who was going to take that spot. And you see uh, Rossi come in and completely – I mean, revamp this Cubs team. They look brilliant. They are having fun playing the game. And it is like we are back in 2016, 15, and we are going to take off from here. I mean, they've had a great week. Don't get me wrong, little little hiccup. And when I say hiccup, it was an absolute embarrassing 13-2 loss on Thursday. But, I mean, you got Alec Mills coming out seven shutout innings. I mean, this kid, not many starts underneath, pitched a lot in relief, couple starts here and there. I mean, this guy comes out firing. Our starting pitching has been absolutely fantastic to start off. Go to our bullpen, complete fucking trash. I mean, it is, it is horrendous to watch, and it's Thank hard you. to watch. 
So, so the thing that I find the most intriguing about this Cubs team this year is, you know, they had arguably, I mean, Joe Madden may end up in Cooperstown one day from the kind of revolutionizing he's done to uh, major league baseball clubhouses, as well as just some of the teams that he's uh, whether he's lucked out in the beginning or uh, if he's really the mastermind behind these uh, brilliant uh, playoff appearances and, and, and great teams that he's had. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that I look at as a guy that, that really made those teams in those years, the 2015 Cubs, the 2016 Cubs, and even the 2017 Cubs that, you know, returned to the national league championship series. Um, He's, he's the type of manager that you want in your clubhouse. Yet it seems like whatever David Ross is doing is fucking working. So what I find most intriguing, I guess, about it is the fact that a guy like Joe Madden kind of lost control and it was immediately regained by a guy who has zero coaching experience. I, I think that's pretty incredible. Oh, it's absolutely incredible. And it was just the, you know, the camaraderie and the, the relationships he built while playing with the Cubs that I think has gotten him to where he was. I mean, that Cubs roster, I don't know. I don't want, I don't know how many guys are on it, but I would say, you know, probably 15 plus guys are on it from that same team and they have that relationship. They have the respect for him and he's coming out and he's just absolutely killing it right now. Like you said, 10 and three start. I mean, this whole weekend, you know, Cardinals like going to casinos. I mean, will it sit there and, you know, cut us down a little bit coming out Thursday, losing to the Royals, like the way we did, maybe, you know, take a step back, relax, you know, keep on uh, putting in work and come out Monday and, you know, get it going again, or I'm sorry, Tuesday and get it going again, being uh, the off day Monday. But I mean, the Cardinals and I mean, the Marlins out of the 30 MLB teams, you got two teams out of them that are having problems. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about it, but I'm sitting there. And if you yeah. only have two of these teams getting problems, are really postponing games really going to teach them that lesson? Should they be forfeiting these games since they cannot keep their teams under control? And they're sitting there going out, enjoying time. Don't get me wrong. Go out and enjoy yourself. But you know what? You guys are in season right now, and you have protocols that you have to follow. Right. Got it. You have to, you know, I don't want to call it their bubble, but I mean, because they don't have one technically. But you know what? Keep following the protocols. Do what you need to do. You have a 60-game season. Go out. Every game counts. You shouldn't be at a casino when you got a game at 1 o'clock the next day. That definitely brings up the interesting question. So – uh, the Marlins at one point seemed like a team that had no fucking chance at, at doing anything this year. I mean, the, 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 the major league talent right mm-hmm. now that they expect to be the major league talent for the next 20 years is going to be down in the minor league system. Um, now, because you've had 17 or 20, I, I've lost count of how many members of the Marlins uh, franchise, whether it's a player or staff member that is tested positive and had positive symptoms, not just, not just testing positive, but having real repercussions to, to this, uh, to this virus. And they're going to, you know, have people sit out games and for, you know, or I, I just, I don't know where you go there. So the Marlins now are seven and two. And now because they seemed irrelevant or irrelevant. We were ready to just say, well, you know what? They should just not fucking play this year. You know, they should just you know, sit out a year. Um, they're seven and two now, which is crazy. Uh, the Cubs, Top though. The division, I want to say, too. Garrett, the, Cubs, I'll take, I'll take <laughs> the, the Cubs, though, 
have all followed the protocol similar. I mean, I, the White Sox have obviously had one or two members test positive, and then that was kind of contained and taken care of. And now, you know, baseball has resumed as usual. And our best player was one of the people that tested positive and has not missed a fucking step. Um, so the Cubs and the White Sox both have done a really great, great job of protocols. But you have a few teams, obviously, that are making um, – you know, baseball questioned itself and, and whether it can continue. And that's to me, um, just to answer your question on whether uh, I think that's uh, reasonable to, to cancel all of baseball because these two teams can't seem to, to do it right. Uh, I think it just comes down to, to really knowing what the fuck are they actually doing? I don't know if those, I mean, you know, it's reported that the, the <laughs> Cardinals went out to a casino. Did it really happen? We don't know. I assume that's what happened, you know, and, you know, we were talking last week about, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, who went to the script club? Williams, right? Oh, Lou Williams. Yeah. Lou Williams. Williams. Needed some, needed some chicken wings, some hot wings. Right. And we talked about that last week and it's just so fucking ridiculous. So Mm -hmm. if those types of things are the reasons why you're, 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 you're putting your season in danger, I mean. I, I, it's ridiculous to me. It's a lot of money to lose. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, baseball to lose because this year is the year where a team like Miami obviously can do something. I mean, in sixty games, you you could get lucky. It can happen. If you want hot wings so bad, just order from Grubhub or DoorDash. Holy fuck! <laughs> I, I did. Johnny Menzel came out and. Uh, pretty much backed him on that, saying that those are the best wings That's that he's ever saying. eaten. I and I'm just, I saw a picture of it. I mean, damn right. They look <laughs> damn good. I mean, I, I would house about 24 of those, no problem. Be like, all right, next go. He could he could have easily called somebody to fucking bring yeah, it over. Just, just oh, there's, it been. <laughs> there, there's definitely <laughs> ways around get some him going to and wings for sure. Oh, definitely need some titties in his face. Definitely. <laughs> Couple of drinks in him, some hot wings, send him out home happy back to his uh, little NBA bubble. So after getting so off track, though, we got to get back back to Cubs baseball. Sorry, but but I mean something that I I think is uh, something to note is the fact that you know you obviously just expressed your um, distaste with the Cubs bullpen. I've oh. seen the issues that they have. I I am so. Um, I was, I'll, I'll say confused. I don't really have a word that describes the way I feel about Craig Kimbrell thus far. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know, fucking three years ago we would have said he punched his ticket to Cooperstown. Uh-huh. Now, I mean, this guy's falling, you know, you know, Jack and Jill f- falling down the hill. You know, like he's tumbling. I mean, we oh, got a guy who's been who is rolling up. at high speeds right now, and it there doesn't look like he's coming up anytime soon climbing back up. So from what I'm hearing and from what I'm seeing um, thus far, uh, his fastball does not have the same carry. I know that because I, I'm watching it, but I also can, you know, you see guys squaring up baseballs way more. Uh, I'm sure his barrel rate is way up. I don't know the actual statistics behind that stuff, but when the ball doesn't carry nearly as much, a hitter is going to be able to kind of square it up a lot more. Uh, you know, in that fastball documentary from, you know, 10 years ago, five, you know, five to 10 years ago, uh, you could hear Bryce Harper talk about um, how it seemed like every time he used to face him, the ball would rise, which is a phys- physically impossible feat. Um, but when a guy's got true carry, that's what really makes him uh, an unhittable presence. So 
to me, I, I see a lot more tail in his fastball instead of carry. Um, I've also seen uh, a lack of confidence from him that I've never seen before. And I know that comes from uh, last year. Uh, he struggled a lot. And even in 2018 when they won the World or the Red Sox won the World Series with him, I know he struggled in the postseason. But to me, I mean, he can't be that far away. I mean, I know some, some guys just, you know, lose it. But there's got to be something they can tweak or work with or – uh, maybe even change the way he pitches to kind of bring him back to, you know, vintage Kimbrel. I agree. I mean, he has over 23 ERA this year in just four appearances. And dude has, the, I think he had two, two and a third of an inning, I think, in his four appearances, which says enough. I mean, the guy's not making outs. I mean, we're, you sit there and watch inner uh, squad games and you got Contreras taking him deep on the daily and he's missing over the plate. I mean, his stuff, like you said, is, not, you know, his fastball. I, I want to say he's been getting clocked around, you know, 95, 96, when we're used to that 99 plus mile an hour fastball out of Kimbrell and that knuckle curve, that's just going to disappear. And, and I think that's where the look stupid. I think that's where the carry gets left off. I think that the arm uh, is, is slowly deteriorating, which all those guys have to go through it. Right. I mean, the great ones, you know, even, even let's. I mean, even using Mariano Rivera, probably the best to ever do it. I mean, he oh, started 100%. upper upper nines um, and always had the great cutter, and uh, you know, eventually moved away from that to you know ninety four, ninety three on the corner. So I mean, sure. he had to learn to kind of change himself as a pitcher uh, instead of being more as a power pitcher, which he always was, but um, to an extent, changed himself to make himself more of a uh, pinpoint control type guy. Um, but Kimbrell, again, we got a guy who was a rookie of the year, uh, no, uh, perennial all-star basically since the day he came out. Um, he's been a World Series winner, uh, a Rolaids uh, relief uh, pitcher of the year, and he's won both reliever awards in both leagues. I mean, this guy definitely has the uh, hardware to show that he's you know, the guy for the job. It just seems like there's something uh, going on, um, whether that's upstairs or whether that's with his arm. We probably won't know until further down the line. Um, Got to get it figured out quick, season short. Maybe but, he needs to grow uh, that beer back out again. The Atlanta Braves obviously had him first, and we got to talk a little bit more about uh, the Braves. Uh, they had a major injury last week with Mike Soroka. Uh, who is obviously their number one, a guy that they were really leaning on this year to, to take them further into the playoffs. Um, probably one of the most disgusting injuries I've seen in a while. Uh, it doesn't look like he does much, but if you guys watch the replay, he releases the ball to home plate and then spins to go to first base because he's going to go cover. And you just see something popped in the back of his leg and he immediately hits the ground. So, obviously, the torn Achilles definitely hurts the Braves' chance at a title, especially with all the current talent they have on the roster. Um, I mean, you guys watched that injury, correct? I mean, that, that was pretty oh, – Bruce, it kind of reminded me of KD a couple of years ago or uh, yes. last year when he – it kind of, you know, they just see it almost pop. And it athlete watching that happen, you could only cringe and just – feel for that fucking guy you know I can only imagine how much pain all of a sudden goes through for him to come out rookie year put up the numbers he did I mean he was up for a big big another big year this year you know came out a little struggling 
but you know what? Found it uh, towards the second half last year and started out strong. Little hiccup in the middle. And, I mean, the, the kid's going to come back uh, after this injury, and he's going to put up the same numbers. It's just is it's that kind of the injury going to get in his head, and is he going to sit there and think about, you know, when he's sitting there planning, pushing off and such. Is that going to be something that he could mentally work through? I mean, he's going to be a guy – um, uh, you know, last year, the only reason he didn't um, win the rookie of the year was because a guy broke a home run record, you know. Um, yeah. it, it's it's something that I, I think he'll end up uh, coming back a little stronger from. Um, but injuries across the board are just up in professional baseball, which I know renegotiating is going to be an absolute bitch with the Players Association in the league after this, you know, after this um, – this shortened season this year, uh, there's going to be a lack of trust between players union and the owners because, you know, and, th- and this goes all the way up to the top. We got to talk about Rob Manfred uh, a little bit too, who arguably uh, hurts his reputation almost every time he opens his fucking mouth. Um, the issue though, for me is we talked about this a little bit, a couple episodes ago, but Manfred came out after he had made the negotiation and the you know had finally come to an agreement with the players' association to play this season, telling the media that they never did it in good faith. They were never going to play more than sixty games, and they were just waiting for the players to kind of cave in to give them giving them what they want. So not only did you verbally uh, com- commit to your lies, but now you're going to try to renegotiate with these people after after fucking them over this year and doing what you did, which I, I'm in my selfish reasons. I wanted to see baseball, but in reality, if, if they could have gone more games or if they could have done it a different way, it would have helped a lot. So not only did they ramp these guys up as quick as possible to get what they wanted out of them, but now you're seeing guys drop like flies, a lot of pitcher injuries. If you have not noticed, there's been Tommy John issues, shoulder issues, we had Aaron Bummer with the White Sox the other day. Big, big bullpen piece. Ended up uh, doing something to his bicep. We're going to probably find out more today. Um, I think it was a strain. So far, so far. But, you know, you know that bicep uh, injury usually relates to um, elbow uh, issues. You know, when, when something isn't working, that's usually when you get a strain or a pull in a different area. So we're going to find out. I mean, is it an elbow thing? Is it a shoulder thing? For now, it's the bicep. Hopefully, he can kind of recover from that and keep pushing. Um, but, yeah, injuries across the board are just up. And I, I don't know if that's going to be a great negotiating uh, tactic next year uh, to come in and say how successful of a season it was if, you know, the injury reports are, you know, skyrocketing. Your thoughts yeah, on have, that, guys? They, they have to figure that out. It's – uh. You know, it was bound to happen this year. It's a shortened season. There's a shortened spring training. I think they, they had to cram that into like one or two weeks. And it's tough on especially pitchers because the pitchers don't have enough games to warm up and stuff and get their arms loose. And it's going to happen. If they don't have enough games to play before the season, they're going to get hurt during the season. And uh, especially the older pitchers. You're seeing it with uh, Kluber and Verlander. Those are huge injuries for these teams. And Soraka – I think the Soraka injury is probably the biggest injury I've seen so far because he was on, on track to be a Cy Young candidate. Um, and, yeah, for White, in the White Sox case, Bummer is a shutdown setup man, and, I think, and he's a lefty, which is a, a bonus. And him being hurt, you know, that puts a damper on the bullpen. But, you know, it's up to these guys that can fill in 
and do their job. But, yeah, I do think the Players Association and Manfred need to get on the same page somehow. And, I again, I, I'm with you. I think it is mostly Manfred's fault. Every time he opens his mouth, he just looks dumber. And, you know, hopefully they figure it out next year. Your thoughts on it. Kev, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, due to the pandemic, you know, things haven't been going as planned with all the leagues. Um, so you're going to see a lot more injuries. But uh, I'm going to transition a little bit into the NFL because that's scarier to me. These guys are three weeks out from the first game, and they're, they're not able to wear shoulder pads or see each other. Um, and to me, uh, maybe biased or not, that's the most – that's way more dangerous than playing baseball is to not hit each other and not get used to that. You got to, you know, you got to condition your body to get the bumps and stuff like that. So if they do end up playing just one game or a couple games, you know, shit's going to get, shit's going to hit the fan if they're, if they're all out there and they get all injured. I agree with that. And I think if the, that happens in the NFL, the form is going to be off. And when the form is off, that is very dangerous for a sport like the NFL. Same with hockey. Hockey's like that too, but thank God they're doing well with it. Um, but, yeah, if you're not practicing enough with football, getting used to the regime yeah. and everything, and you're going to have these terrible form of hitting, you're going to hurt someone too. or yourself very badly. Conditioning, yeah, so, too, because the minute, the minute you're winded on a football field, you're not able to defend yourself anymore or you're not able to brace yourself for right. a hit. The minute that happens is when people get hurt. Right. So, I mean, that's a little more concerning to me. Well, if we're switching gears in the NFL, we got to talk about the Pats. Um, they, they're obviously losing a bunch of people to move up in the draft, maybe go after uh, a kid from Clemson. So Trevor fucking Lawrence. Is that what we're thinking? Fields, you know what? Fields looks pretty good from Ohio State, though. I mean, that's going to be a tough one. I, 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 But Trevor Lawrence has proven more. And he's on. He's been on better teams and stuff, but I can see Trevor Lawrence in a Patriots uniform. Belichick has a plan. He always has a plan. I guess the question I have uh, regarding the Pats then are 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 the are the Patriots taking Cam Newton as a as a science experiment, and they're just going to roll the dice with him this year, see if they can compete, especially with the pieces they still have intact, and then go after a guy like Trevor Lawrence or a guy like. Uh, I mean, there's tons of, tons of, you know, options they could go at the quarterback position out of this next draft. There's going to be a lot of talent. Um, but is Cam Newton just a fill-in for, for, no. for this season? Oh, well, yeah, a fill-in for sure. I don't, think, I don't think he's an experiment or, you know, however you said it by all means. I don't think they're working with him. I think he's more just like a bridge to the next season. You know, they got to put somebody there. And so they, they probably found him and – brought him in but they're definitely gonna draft a quarterback now tom brady's gone so i do like what kevin said about a bridge to the next season which i agree is what he is uh cam newton has proven that he's been good but injury problems have you know ruined like kind of fucked with his career a little bit and you know what he was even when he was healthy i thought he was good but he was very inconsistent he'll be very very good one year and the next year he would be so inaccurate and I don't think he's the solution to the Patriots, but I think he is temporary. I think Belichick wants to see what he can do this year. You know what? It's a win-win for them. If he turns out to do well, you got you got a decent quarterback for the next couple of years. But if he does really shitty and the Patriots have a bad year, 
they're going to have a good draft pick and get Trevor Lawrence. So I think it's a win-win for the Patriots. Well, here's the thing with Cam Newton. If you, if you, uh, I've been keeping up on a lot of stuff about him because he's really, really PO'd about his whole situation about not finding a job and shit like that. He's, he was on another podcast uh, with Odell Beckham and he was talking about yeah. you know, just how pissed off he was. Why he's like talking, he's looking at all these teams that passed him up and he's like, well, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than this guy. And he's just going down the list. So he said, as soon as I get on a team, like, I, th- I think he's going to have a really good first year and then they're going to draft a quarterback and they're not going to give a shit. That's my, that's my prediction. We'll see what happens. And then, like, um, I don't know the Patriots have a ton of guys out. Like, two, two key defensive players are opting out because of COVID. And Patrick Chung, the safety, is one of them, who's yep. a huge, huge piece of their defense. And Dante Hightower as well, the linebacker. So that's, that's going to be tough for the Patriots' defense to adjust. And uh, there's two more big names I want to mention. They're not on the Patriots. One of them's on the Jets, the C.J. Mosley. Who I would say the biggest always, name on the oh, I'm a huge CJ Mosley fan. That guy is an outstanding linebacker. So wow. that's probably the biggest name. And uh back to Chicago, this is this is gonna be a big loss. No one's gonna realize it. Eddie Goldman is opting out and he is a great run stuffer. And I think people are gonna realize this year, if there's gonna be a hopefully there's gonna be a season, that the Bears run defense might get a little worse without Eddie Goldman because he stuffs the middle. You saw that last hard season. To, he's very hard to get past. And people line will definitely it was be him and right. Hicks were out, right? Him and right. Hicks. Well, the, the thing about Hicks, a lot of people didn't think Hicks was going to be a big deal when he got hurt. But he was a big deal for Khalil Mack because Hicks caused people to block him exactly. and they weren't doubling on Mack. And Mack got, you know, if you're single on Mack, Mack's going to hurt you. But because Hicks was hurt, they weren't worried about anybody on the D-line, so they all double-team Mac, and that's why Mac's year wasn't as good as the year before, which yeah. is huge. Hicks is probably one of the biggest pieces to the Bears' defense besides Mac. I'd say Hicks is the biggest. But Eddie Goldman is a very underrated player, and I think people are going to miss him this year. Young player, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, 26-year-old nose guard. I mean, I mean the kid's all-time. Going to be a big stump in that middle of that D-line that's going to need to fill. And – Hopefully uh, we have a season to where the Bears uh, put some names out there. Maybe you find an- another big name that you, you know, didn't know that was lying in the weeds somewhere. I mean, yeah, so th- I don't know who they're going to put there. I think right now it looks like they're going to put Jenkins in there. Not a fan of that. but So, so speaking of Bears Nation, uh, what is the status of Nick Foles? Because I know um, his wife uh, definitely has pre-existing conditions and she has a lot of stuff going on. Uh, she's got similar stuff to, to – to uh, my current girlfriend. Um, that's the reason I know it. But uh, what is his status? And is he going to play this year if there's a season? I don't think he's, like, said anything if he's going to play for sure. And I think yeah. as of right now, he is going to play. Um, the opt-out deadline's already passed. So I feel like – Yeah, I think he'll you know, play. I think he'll he's play. There, he's there. He's going to play. Just got paid. But now the opt-out deadline, is there, like, actually, like, some kind of um, – like, say you opt out, is there a written contract rule, whatever it may be, that says you can't re-enter? Because, obviously, we've seen well, it in baseball. Nick Markakis comes back, hits a walk-off dong after uh, sitting out the first, like, nine games of the season. So, I'm just curious, how does that work in professional football? Do we even know? Is it just something that we're kind of, you know, throwing together it, as we go? Well, it obviously hasn't been tested yet. 
but I mean, there's got to be some sort of structure, hasn't there? Like you can't just have guys come and go every fucking week. So. Oh, I agree. And football is obviously a much more um, competitive uh, market in which, you know, like an offensive lineman that maybe will opt out as big of a hit as it may be, they'll find somebody to fill that position in. Baseball is a little different in which, you know, a guy like Mark Kakis, who's a gold glove outfielder and and a nice bat in the lineup, will have a spot because, you know, he's done it for as many years as he has, you know? Yeah. Well, there's got to be some sort of standard on uh, allowing players to play after the earth pop back in after the uh, deadline, but, you know, we'll see what they do with that. But I think it's a, I think for me, it's big if Nick Foles plays or not, I think he will. Um, I am an advocate. All right. Here's a, I want him to start over Mitch. I'm not a Mitch fan, No. but the problem with Nick Foles is that we don't have the best offensive line and Nick Foles is not a runner. So he Mitchy might, quick sticks, Mitchy quick sticks. Bears he might, he Super might Bowl be trouble, might be in trouble with that, but Mitch is a great scrambler. I agree, but guys, you guys can defend him all you want. The guys have faith, player, believe in fucking decision, something, Joe. His decision making is awful. He misses yeah. wide open receivers. He telegraphs his passes. He, I think he's got talent. He's got athletic ability, like great talent. But the thing is, <laughs> I didn't want to say this. I think he's a dumbass. His decisions in the game. Cause, like, Let me say this right now. Let me say this right now. No quarterback in the NFL is a dumbass. If there's anybody that's not a dumbass, they are the smartest people on the field. It is an impossible many, job to accomplish. But how many and, quarterbacks come out of North Carolina that go in the first round? That started 12 games in fucking college. You didn't even yeah, start. Did. Pre- <laughs> I'm especially somebody that you move up in the draft for. Oh, my God. I mean, oh. it's just <laughs> – I, That's I, not I nightmares fault. about that. That's I not agree. It's, fault. it's not, but like the thing is, like I, I, I have a problem with the Bears organization because they m- make stupid decisions like that, and oh, that wasn't the only one that draft. They drafted Am Shaheen in the second round yeah. over George <laughs> Kittle. All right, all right. Can I can I make this clear? So the podcast is split at this point on a Mitchie Trubisky Super Bowl Super Bears type caliber season. Yep. No. Glenn and Joe, cousin Joe, both are out on Mitch Trubisky, and me and Kevin will continue pushing for the Mitch Trubisky show. It just doesn't make sense. Why would Nick Foles come in here for about two years with absolutely no money? We, we literally got him for nothing. It was free. Right. They were like, hey, you want to come play for the Chicago? Guy has a Super they, Bowl. They ring. fucking paid us Nick to Foles take has a ring. They literally gave him a Klondike bar to, pay, to play. Foles has a ring. Mitch does not. That's all I got. Yeah, he has a ring. And exactly, he's going to be a mentor. He's just going to be a, hey, you know, coach him up, slap him around. Make sure he knows, like, hey, this isn't your job. Like, well, you need to prove it yourself isn't. It isn't. It isn't his job. They both have to compete for it. But, if, you know, if, based on the, the, the games I've seen of all of them, I, I would pick Nick. But I think what I think the Bears will do is they'll start Mitch in the first couple weeks. And if he does very, very good, because hopefully this – gives him his edge to do good, I'm hoping, then they'll keep him in. But if he struggles like he did last year, they're going to try Nick out. And, I, you know, it's not a bad idea to have two quarterbacks that are potential starters. I think it's a good thing to do. But I would like to see Nick Foles work with the kind of players we have, too, that are around Mr. Biscay right now. Right. I, I mean, would like to, the line is an issue. It, people put a lot of shit on Mr. Biscay, and they, I think people, you know, he takes all the heat for how – actually like mediocre our offense really is no it's not it's not just Mitch I agree with you it's not just Mitch that the offensive line has troubles and uh I think Nagy can call some bonehead plays sometimes 
But um, I, I, you know I, what? If you got a receiver like Allen Robinson, you got to take advantage of that. That guy is – I think Allen Robinson is the most underrated receiver in the league. He's fantastic. Well, that's what uh, well, maybe I underrate him then because I don't think – I think he's a wide receiver number two in almost every other football team out there. I don't know, man. I think besides DeAndre Hopkins in terms of 50-50 balls, besides Hopkins, Robinson's the best. Well, maybe we just didn't use him enough. But, I mean, just look at the guys around him. Like, how many times is Tariq Cohen going to drop the ball on the flat? Like, that guy yeah, he's, had an awful oh, season. Cohen had uh, I don't think we used Montgomery career. enough. And then – um, I mean, who else? Anthony Miller. That guy is he? Is he all that really? I think what? Anthony Miller is a decent player. He's he's got an attitude problem, which you oh, God, everybody in this podcast him. knows. Joey McNiff hates the attitude, that. but um, I mean the uh, Kevin, what you said about Montgomery, I agree a hundred percent. I think Nagy's biggest problem is that he has no run game. Yeah, he just doesn't develop the right plays for these players. I think Montgomery's great too. If he is, if, if he's oh, he's going to be really good. And it could open shit up for Trubisky, so it could make him better. But how many you know, fucking just, tight ends do we need? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, they made a bunch of mistakes getting Burton, who didn't want to basically he didn't want to play for the Bears. That guy did not I want mean, to play. I don't hold care. Hold on, let, but let me see if this makes sense. So we're gonna spend our entire salary cap on Jimmy Graham, and then we're gonna go draft Cole Komet. I didn't get that either, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Never I'm a Cole Komet guy, though. I like Cole. I like Cole Komet. I like Cole Komet too, but Jesus oh. Christ. Cole Komet, I watched that Notre Dame, and kid, I mean, could run block, pass block, go out, catch a touchdown, possession uh, receiver when he's out. I mean, has some speed. I mean, he put up, what was it, a 60-plus yard touchdown yep. uh, yeah. end of the year. I mean, he, he has the speed. He has the hands. He could block. He's going to be great for the Bears this year, and I'm excited to see him in a Bears uniform. I actually oh, might buy my first Bears Pardon? uniform since Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, I have a oh Jimmy Clausen Bears Bloody. jersey. You know it. Irish all day. Oh, 100%. Jimmy Clausen. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact about Cole Komet. He was also the fucking closer on the baseball team, as well as being the tight end on the football team. Did you play him? No. He's very. Oh, he throws the ball very hard. Very, very he's an hard. Athlete, man. Um, he's an athlete. That's what you want. For yeah, we went to Vider. We played Vider. One of the funnest things was watching Golden Tate run around those bases. You think that he's <laughs> fast on the football field? Oh, my God. Watch that man in center field back for the Irish when Jeff Samarja was still playing. For Blows them. your mind, right? Oh, my God. You, you will never see somebody get around the bases as fast as that man, and it was fun to watch. Speaking of blowing minds, we got we to switch gears here. We got to go to the Blackhawks. Holy fuck, there is more hockey. Huge upset against the Oilers, and the Blackhawks will now play the Vegas Golden Knights in the next round. Super excited. I'm so happy hockey's back. It has been I mean, been a nice little grind to get to this position. Are we playing? Are we getting playoffs? I mean, there is nothing better than playoff hockey. I mean, oh, every game amazing. counts. These it's guys come fun. out ready to play, banging bodies. I mean, they're – they're playing for no tomorrow because you know what? There's no tomorrow when it comes to those clinching games and such. I mean, these guys are throwing their bodies on the line, and it is fun to watch playoff hockey. There is nothing better than that. Well, the, these hockey players, they play hard, man. I don't see – I think out of any sport I've watched, you know, obviously I love the NFL the most, but in terms of players who play the hardest, I have to hand it to hockey. Those guys are nonstop full throttle. Um, I'm glad to see that Taze is back. That is oh, – he's having a great series, man. I love Captain Taze. And uh, Kuba Leak, Glenny, man. What, this guy, is he like the new star? 
this, I mean, rookie season, guy comes out of nowhere, puts up 46 points during the regular season after having a very low start, puts up 30 goals on top, is one of the finalists for the Calder uh, Memorial Trophy for the best rookie in the, uh, in the league. I mean, this kid's putting up numbers, and I mean, he did not disappoint. Coming out, putting up five points game one. I mean, kid's out of his mind, playing great. Some of these no-look passes, him and Taves have such a great connection right now, and they are just feeding each other left and right, and it is fun to watch them play. And don't put it, don't put it past the Hawks, the fact that they beat a guy like Connor McDavid, who, oh. you know, people are comparing this guy to fucking Gretzky. I mean, and this he is, will get there. The kid is I mean, unbelievable. This, this is a guy that could obviously outskate everybody in the league. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a crazy upset. I don't think we've kind of, you know, taken it all in as Blackhawk fans to see where they're going to go to the next level. Uh, just just to get past the first round in which they were obviously an underdog the entire way um, is a very uh, exciting thing, and it's obviously an eye-opening thing that this team is no fucking joke. A lot of young talent mixed with the veterans and it's going to be a hell of a journey to see where this Blackhawks team takes us. Oh, it's going to be fun to watch. You got guys like Kane, Taves, uh, Keith, Crow. You got all these guys have already been there and they're teaching and men uh, molding these young guys and they're just following right in the footsteps. And it is fun. I mean, even our fourth line sitting there going against the number one line in McDavid and you know how much firepower that guy has. I mean, he put up a goal, in three of the games within the first minute of the game and had a hat trick uh, game three. And I mean, guy scores at will. He, like you said, Bri, he's the fastest guy on the ice at all times. And he has the hands to go with it. And guy's got a shot. He's not going to be let down scoring. And then you got another guy that plays on their uh, second line and Leander's uh, recital, you know, sits there, puts up massive, massive numbers. And, and Dreisaitl might win the MVP award this year. Oh, huge, huge season from him. I mean, as a fantasy owner, great to have him on my team. I, I mean, the guy, <laughs> is, the guy is unreal. And the fact of them being split up and playing on two different lines, you get them on the power play um, together, and it's just fun to watch these guys go at yeah, work. Yeah, it's a disgusting and, combo. Oh, yeah. It's it's fun fun to watch, but I mean the Hawks. What can you say more? Crow looking like the Crow of old game four game. I mean one two three. You know what? Got to get back in the uh, flow of things. You got to get back to going full speed against you know one of the more higher powering. He just uh, looked rusty. Offensives. Oh yeah, I mean which you're gonna great. See. So all the sports betters out there, I mean all these games are going over. I mean the, you got all these hockey games. You got goalies that haven't seen full you know full go in this whole you know uh quarantine and all of a sudden you know hey snap of the finger let's get going let's play fucking playoff hockey get that atmosphere going and you know some of these goalies can't sit there and you see you're seeing a lot of goals in the first period i mean i want to say during the four games there's been at least two three goals in the first period combined with each teams in every single uh uh game that you're seeing you know and come out to game four and, you know, hey, got a t- um, time to sit there and clinch. Crow comes out, makes 40, what is he, 45 saves on 47 shots. I mean, the guy was yeah, outstanding. You cannot, you cannot sit there and doubt that, man. And believe me, I am one of his doubters. 
I'd never thought he'd be able to return the way he was, but hey, you know what? Game four right there showing me, you know what? There's still a little bit left in the tank for Crow. He wants to go out. He wants to win another ring. Let's fucking do it. Fucking Hawks. Watch out for them. They might be making their way to the Stanley Cup finals on a lot of upsets. Next victim, Vegas Golden Knights. Let's Fucking go. A, Chicago. Fucking right. Let's go. <laughs> fucking Hawks hockey back. boys. All right. Well, then we got to get to the segment we've all been really excited about all week here at uh, Dollar Dog Sundays. Uh, we all have uh, had our share of uh, joysticks in our hands when we played a few sports video games. Uh, oh, yeah. Whether it would be ba- baseball, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. We grew up with uh, the Nintendo 64s and GameCubes and PlayStations. So, uh, no matter what it w- no matter what system it was on, it was always the same game, and you wanted to play as your favorite players and kind of compete against your buddies. So we got to talk a little bit about sports video games, boys. So let's. I, I'm thinking I'm gonna let. I think I'm gonna let Joey start this one at his number three. We'll go. We'll go three, two, one. But we'll go. Each one of us will give our three. Each one of us give our twos, and then we'll do honorable mentions across the board. If there's something we didn't mention, or you know, somebody doesn't mention, you throw your name and a hat here and then we will get to our number ones joey can you give me your number three my number three is actually a computer game it was backyard baseball 2001 oh yeah boys when we were kids uh ken griffey jr was always my go-to pick uh but in terms of the guys who weren't professional baseball yeah for (laughs) weren't professional baseball players pablo freaking sanchez dude he's me he's me guys So, so hold on, Joey, just because just I want to jump on this bandwagon because I, I unfortunately don't have it in my top three, which I think is a shame the amount of times I've played it. But we had Cal Rifkin Jr., A-Rod, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Mike Piazza, uh, Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling. I mean, I can keep going. Mo Vaughn, Frank Thomas, Sosa. Yeah. Frank Thomas was a good pitcher in that game, too. I'm like, right? <laughs> yeah, which was the weirdest shit. Yeah, he was full on pitching, which made zero sense. But you never wanted a pitcher on your team because they could never fucking hit. Randy no. Johnson looked like a rusty gate. Kurt Schilling looked <laughs> you know, like there was something wrong with him. Uh, you know, there was no way you wanted a pitcher on your team. The, I mean, the amount of talent. I think Vladimir Guerrero uh, Sr. was in that game as well. Vlad uh, Guerrero Chip- on the Expos. Derek Jeter. Yeah, I mean, they had tons of talent. And now looking back uh, – you know, at the 2001 MLB alumni that were in the game. Uh, it was really cool to see how many, like, Hall of Fame Hall Calvary Fame were on that team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit, uh, the only picture you needed in that game was Kenny Kawaguchi in the wheelchair. Get it going, kid. Oh, my. Best picture he, in the game. Oh, yeah. And he can, he can run. He can run oh, he super can run. fast with those wheels, baby. Oh, yeah. Literal wheels, wheels, no pun intended. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Kevin, what is your number three? We got to hear it. I also had a tough time. Uh, picking my list like the WWE one because you know these are my favorites, but I'm going with Skate Three or NHL Ten. I, I I'm so tore oh, Skate Three. I know you guys didn't play it, but I don't know. It was so it was so yeah, fun. I remember playing with my friends, and we literally played that thing for like eight hours, and it would just be like you would build as high as you can, and then like jump off, and I don't know. It's so stupid. And it Skate? Fun. Yes, dude, you played it. You're showing your age right now. I know, right? Skate. Oh, talking, I'm not sure what Skate is. See, I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, was it? Yeah, I think it was. 
because they have skate games. I'm not sure how many they have because I stopped uh, playing I think it was the Tony, Tony Hawk, Hawk American. The Tony Wasteland. Hawk game was awesome. Yes. Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk had a bunch of great games. Yes. Yeah. But, but what was your other pick? Just so I'm, I'm clear. Um, it was NHL 10. That was my favorite yes. NHL game. With Kane skate, on the cover, skate correct? Right, yeah, shoot right. Yeah. Yeah. Skate left, shoot right. Yep, that's all you had to do that's in that all game. All you need to do, throw, yep. throw it high uh, side either way, and you're going you're gonna to be scoring, boys. Yeah. Cross crease. It was a great game. Yep. Cross crease, yep. Glenny, you're number three. Uh, I'll touch a little bit. My number three was actually just the Tony Hawk series in general. I mean, you have yes. so many just – Great games from the original Tony Hawk to which my personal favorite favorites are the Underground and Underground Two. I mean, those you had so much different customization that started going into it. You can make your own decks, put your own color on wheels. I mean, the soundtracks for Tony Hawk. I mean, talk about soundtracks. They have some of the best soundtracks ever. Some video games just have killer soundtracks, and that was one of them for sure. All of them really. All of them really had killer soundtracks. Always pop punk or punk rock bands. I mean, you start listening to the song, you're like, shit, I kind of like these guys. And then you look them up online, you're like, all right, I really like some of this music too. Oh, next thing you know, you're out buying their CD the next day. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, it was that long ago where CDs were still cool. (laughs) MP3 players were just like like a very cool thing to have at that point. Right. iPods, not, not even anywhere around. No. My my number three, uh, I went with the entire MLB The Show franchise. And I know that's low on my list, um, especially with the amount of time I've probably put into uh, a franchise mode or Diamond Dynasty. But MLB The Show uh, was the first game uh, for professional baseball in which we gave a shit about the graphics. I mean, you can remember all the PlayStation 2 games in which everybody looks like a, a fucking buffed up cube with kind of a <laughs> fucked up face that kind of resembles the person, but it really doesn't look like them. Well, yeah. graphics started mattering. You know, they started putting uh, realistic people in the games. You know, the fans were actually moving around cheering. So, yeah, graphics became a really big deal in video games and um, – it was apparent that, you know, that's what people wanted and they, they delivered on that. Uh, Diamond Dynasty obviously has taken off is probably one of, if not the most, um, you know, favorited um, kind of online modes for, for professional sports video games. Uh, being able to build a team from all your favorite players from the past and the present is something that's always fun. And obviously they add – Different, what, what I think is cool about it is they add players from a certain year. So if, um, for instance, you know, last, you know, t- in 2018, Christian Yelich won the MVP award. Uh, they will bring in a card or a player version of Christian Yelich from 2018 and boost all his stats to where, you know, he was in 2018. So it's kind of a cool thing to see them take different years and different people. You know, you're getting Babe Ruth and right field from 1940. He's not as good as when he, you know, he's with the Yankees in 27. So you're getting different years and different players, which I think is always great. Uh, MLB the show always has great cover athletes too. And I think it's always cool to see uh, the guys that they bring out. I think Baez is on this year's cover. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the year prior, I think we had, what was 2019? Glenn. The Bryce Har- uh Bryce Harper. Yeah, it was Harper. That's right. As soon as he had signed the deal with Philly, he he was the cover athlete. Um and I just think it's a great uh accumulation and celebration of all the baseball eras um throughout all these games. So that was my number three. Uh Joey, 
Let's go to your number two. Brian, it's a game that me and you played a lot together. NBA Street. The first yes. NBA Street. Yes. With MJ it's also my number two. Yeah. MJ yes. and Stretch. Stretch was Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> Stretch, Stretch, was a, Stretch was a fucking knockoff version of Dr. J. And no one, no one can tell me different. He literally played like Julius Irving, had the same fro, same facial hair, and yet – would do some crazy shit like stand up, do a handstand when he's dunking or some crazy bullshit, but knock some motherfuckers over. He was Cro <laughs> he was Kroger, Dr. J. <laughs> oh. You know who else I liked was Biggs. Biggs was pretty good. Yeah. It's like Escalade from uh what is it, the uh and one <laughs> they, all they those brought- those were actual rappers, right? Most of them. I know Exhibit yeah. was in a few of the games, and he's an actual. Obviously, Pimp My Ride was one of my favorite sh- shows growing oh, up as a kid. Classic, classic. But they had real rappers. I know that Nelly was in the game that we're talking about, Joe. Yeah, he was. Rapper team. So that was always funny. Um, but yeah, those games were great, and the fact that you could play as you know Pistol Pete Maravich side by side with like Jason Kidd at that point was really fun to do, or. You could kind of mix players from different eras, and and even the made-up street guys that obviously don't exist; those were great too. Um, oh, yeah. Some great, some great, great uh, players in that game. Kevin, your number two. I'm going with Slugfest 2003 on the GameCube. Oh my god! Classic. With the uh, with like the 14-step cheat code sheet that would give you <laughs> wall bats and shit on fire and things like that. I remember Brian had like an entire page of just cheat codes. Yeah, I wrote them down. I didn't want like to Brian them. just wrote down like back in the day. 20 cheat codes and I would use them. You had to look them up online because mm-hmm. nothing was that easy. So you got to look Stop them up online. Dial up internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you got to figure out it, it would, it, and by the way, for whatever reason, um, Slugfest that year, which was made by Midway. Midway must have thought to themselves, we don't want anybody using these cheat codes because they fucking made them like 30 uh, actions later. Up, down, left, right, A-A-A-A-A-B-B-B-B-Z-Y-Y. And it's like, you're like, at that point, is it really worth it getting the wiffle ball back? And the answer was, it was yes. every time. Yeah. <laughs> every time. Yeah, it definitely was. Glenny, your number two. My number two is actually NBA Street also, but I'm going to – little honorable mention in there. And I, I love playing – I've been playing since the original Nintendo. Uh, gone up to uh, Sega, done all the Playstations, even went to the dark side and bought an Xbox One, which has been collecting dust for about four years now. But I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go to Sega and I'm just – or even just arcade and just go throw out NBA Jam. I mean oh, – Yes, classic. Just at, he's on fire. I mean <laughs> – so arcade style game, so much fun. You can Corner sit three. there. Oh yeah, and it, it's just some of the names on there. I mean, just fantastic Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame players, and it's just always a fun game to watch. Even playing it later in life and sitting there playing it at you know different uh, arcades that you know have beer. Sitting there getting hammered, playing some uh, what's called NBA Jam. Nothing better. I mean, it's a lot <laughs> of fun. Still a classic. I still Great have game. my Sega set up. And have NBA Jam always in with Aladdin, the the game Aladdin. Aladdin too, yeah. <laughs> That's gonna no, be it's not a sports game. game. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's not a sports game, but oh, it's I spent uh, a lot of man hours on there. Fucking, he's he's athletic as shit, jumping around, jumping around camels and on top of the uh, buildings over there. Oh yeah, 
Very athletic. So you got to throw some throw some apples at people too. <laughs> He's got a fastball. Look at sports oh, yeah. right there. It's all My, about streets of rage and maximum carnage, though. Oh, don't talk about all the games we tried to beat during every <laughs> family party. Known oh, to my me. God. I remember uh, our cousin John was uh, doing the carnage game, and he was on it for hours. And it was like we, we were all up there, and the Sega, like, crashed at, like, his last level. Well, because oh. we would run past. Yeah. All right, we got to stay on topic. We got to stay on topic. <laughs> oh, Honestly, my God. I, uh, no, number two for me. Um, I went with another classic, uh, the year after, uh, it was, I think it was the year of, I should say, uh, MVP baseball, 2005 came out, uh, had Manny Ramirez on the cover and it was a great year for us White Sox fans. Cause the team had won the world series. They had updated rosters. And I think at that point, even though it was MVP baseball, Oh five, I think it also had some of the Oh six people. So I think Jim tell uh, was traded over and Aaron Rowan now was a Philly. Um, so the team itself was always fun to play with because it had a ton of boppers on it. Uh, you had John Dowd, AKA Whiteberry Bonds, because Bonds is such an asshole that he doesn't want to sign in a player agreement to have his likeness produced on the game. So we have John Dowd, who is a lefty, uh, just a fucking guy that can drive the ball 700 feet. I always thought that was fun to, to if you did a fancy draft to get John Dowd because he wasn't a real person. He was white Barry Bonds. Um, the soundtrack was absolutely fire. We had, we got the noise by the do nots, the I rock Z song and the great unlockable system in which tons of hall of famers and great stadiums can be purchased by just playing. You know, you didn't have to, you know, beat a level. You didn't have to have all these achievements. It was just how much do you want to play this fucking game? You'll accumulate points as long as you keep playing. So now let's talk about a few honorable mentions, guys. For me, and I, I'll just name the ones that I have here, and you guys can add some as we go. Uh, but I had Raw versus SmackDown 2006 on the PlayStation 3, uh, which had a ton of WWE legends for the first time, kind of on a, a roster system in which you can kind of, um, you know, play as your favorite people and, and – the finishers and everything in there were all uh, customized and it was a lot of fun. I have Madden 2003, which I believe had Marshall Falk on the cover. Uh, and that was a great Madden game. That wasn't uh, Ray Lewis? For me. No. Ray Lewis Ray was, was 05. 05. Um, I had Ken Griffey Jr. baseball on the Nintendo 64. I had Big Hurt baseball on the Sega Genesis. Uh, WrestleMania 2000 on the N64. Joey and I know it very well. We talked about it last podcast. The NCAA football franchises, NBA Street, was on my personal honorable mentions, and NHL 2010, which uh, uh, Kevin mentioned as his number three, uh, I believe, and it was just a great game. It was. Any other honorable mentions that I missed there, boys? Yeah, Brian, you mentioned MVP Baseball 05. I wanted to mention uh, MLB 05 with Vladimir Guerrero on the Angels was on the cover. Which I think was a show game, right? Was it was. The first? I think yes. they called it MLB 05. I don't think they called it the show yet, but they I, think, I think it's a part they of did. that franchise. But I like that. That was actually like the very first, uh, uh, besides Backyard Baseball, it was like the first PlayStation like uh, baseball game I played. And it had saliva in there in the soundtrack. You know how much I like saliva? <laughs> um, yeah, it was a great game. It had like the, the socks were so good in that game. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that one. Um, I have to mention WrestleMania 2000. I mean, that, that's just a classic on the N64, guys. Right. right. Um, 
Yeah, I think you pretty much hit everything else on the head. NHL 10 was Does really anybody good. else have any honorable mentions I missed? I mean, I'm going to throw out on uh, Nintendo Blades of Steel and Techno Bowl. I mean, oh, two oh, games sure. that I grew up playing, two of my Techno favorite Bowl. games. I'm going to throw oh, out uh, – oh, God. Mine was uh, a little little toss to Emmett Smith in the 22 of the Cowboys jersey, and it was just touchdown every time, every time. Yep. time. It was – hilarious uh madden 06 first year they um threw out the stick hit stick yep joey's boy fucking david mcnab on the cover i'm gonna throw out uh mvp 06 which in my opinion was one of the coolest games they ever put out first and only college baseball game that they've ever had and that oh my god i've spent hours and hours playing and god was that fun um other honorable mentions, I feel like you you pretty much hit them all. The other one, all the other one that I would say is uh, NFL Street. I put a lot of man NFL hours Street on great and uh, NFL Blitz. Yeah, you know, Blitz, another arcade. midway game. Yep, I mean, a lot of fun, a lot of fun times. Kevin, Ke- uh, Kevin, you got to go to your number one. Then we got to listen to your number, number one, and then we'll go back to one. Joey. My number one is street football. I put that for my number one because I played that thing religiously. Fantastic. You want to it talk about a it a little bit? No, yeah. If you want, <laughs> no. I mean, we've we've been talking about it, so I didn't want to sound too redundant. But it it was a great game, and I I loved how you can you know none of these guys these guys are wearing fucking khakis playing football, and they they just got their jerseys on. And then uh, I thought it was my favorite thing always was was where you play. You could play in like a blizzard, or you could play on the beach, or you could play behind a building in an alley and like bang each other into billboards and shit. I stopped playing this game with Kevin because he was running up scores uh, <laughs> in the fifties against me. He would play it so much, so I, yeah, I started was, quitting against him. But. It was a lot of fun, man. Joey, you're number one. Yeah, but for my own number one, I just want to mention one more game. Uh, NBA 2K11 was a good game too, guys. With Michael Jordan, oh, yeah. he did all of his uh, all the moments, all of his all of his moments. That was good. But um, number one. Glennie mentioned it. It was all-time favorite NFL. NFL Blitz. Yes. <laughs> you no, know, uh, Cord- Cordell Stewart in the cover. It was fucking fantastic. You got to jump on people after the plays. Um, yeah, it was. That was my favorite game. I play that every single Sunday. It was. Oh my god. There's nothing better, guys. I don't care what you say. A lot of fun. A <laughs> lot, lot of hours put on Blitz. Oh, Bloody yeah. You're number one. Too? Could you fight people in the game? My yeah, number one. You could take your helmet off and hit people. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. It was when violence was okay in video games, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody, you're number but one. My number one is just, I know you said it, Bri, it's just the NCAA college football franchise. Last one, I'm going to just say, is my number one being 14. And I mean, I think everybody in the video game world is waiting for college football NCAA to come back. They don't care when it needs to happen. Get it done. Let's give the people what they want. Come on now. That one's the uh, Michigan quarterback cover, right? Yep, uh, Denard Robinson. What is it? Uh, Shoelaces or whatever. Yeah. If they just pay the fucking players for the likenesses, I mean, they could get this done. But they're they're there's so so many people out there. So many people out there waiting for this game literally since – 
you know, 14 came out and you're sitting there speculation. Is it going to come out this? Is it going to come out like this? I mean, I feel like I've been seeing Trevor Lawrence on a cover for the last two years saying, yeah, this exactly. could be the year. This could be the year. You know what? Put him on the cover. This game going again. Everybody would love it. You would, I mean, sales would be through the fucking roof at this. And point. When they do stuff like that, when they when they leak the picture of like Trevor Lawrence on the cover, they they got like comment after comment being like, "Don't torture me" and shit yeah. like that. Like people are dying for it to come back. Oh, absolutely! Just bring it back. I don't care who still, does it. There's still people I, playing the 2013 one. Oh, 100%. You have updated rosters every year. I, I used to go to a – my buddies used to have a tournament in Indiana uh, over a weekend, and it would be a two thousand or uh, NCAA uh, football tournament. Sit out there, play a double elimination tournament, and we've had it through. Uh, I've gone there. The last time I was there was 2017, 18, and we were still playing 14, all updated rosters. I know they still update the rosters because people are still playing that damn game. Bring it back. Absolutely. It's a, it's a mainstay. It needs to come back. I'm going to switch gears to my number one, which I think is the last number one out of all of us. And uh, Kevin, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, I'm giving it the number one spot because it fucking deserves it. MLB Slugfest 2003 yeah. to me was the best sports video game I've ever played. I now have brought it up to college uh, with me for the last four or five years, depending on who you ask. But uh, GameCube, uh, is the system that I, I and my brother had it for. Um, we had Alex Rodriguez on the cover, um, probably still see, stealing signs at that point. Um, fighting, fighting people was the best part about this game. So not only did people <laughs> actually get incinerated on fire, not, not I shouldn't say incinerated because they weren't killed or, or anything like that, but they were on f- literal fire similar to the NBA, J- NBA Jam series. And they would run around and drop kick guys going into second and third base instead of sliding, which was the coolest fucking thing, especially when you were a kid. Or, yeah, you can, uh, if you were going to get tagged out and you had that fire or whatever, you could, like, like kill the person they dropped the ball. Like, the catcher at home play, you can punch him. You don't the actually, yeah, you don't actually kill anybody. But no, yes, <laughs> just slide into them really hard yes. to where they drop the ball. No, yeah, you Dottie had Henson it. punch them. Yeah, Dottie Henson dropping the ball. Over in a league of their own, very, very dramatically. Everyone had a cocky attitude in the game. So everybody walked around like their shit didn't stink. And people were, like I said, literally on fire. There was unlockable cheat codes, which Kevin touched on. We would sit in front of a computer and copy down 80 codes so we could have a wiffle ball bat, a rubber ball, a mace bat, uh, eagle bodies, horse bodies. It was crazy, stupid shit. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was innovation and customization back in the day. And I know that this game uh, was also made for uh, arcade-style play, um, so it would be a great thing to own a machine one day. I think of uh, LB Slugfest 2003. That game came out when I was three years old, and because of that game, I know that roster better than any other Sox team. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny so, Lofton. Uh, Royce Clayton. Uh, Royce Clayton. <laughs> Ray Durham. Uh, oh, Canerico right, right. yeah, and Thomas. Canerico, Thomas. Yeah, Burley on the mound. We had Keith Folk in the bullpen. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, interesting Some big names. names right there. Yeah, they are. They're interesting. No, the their Cubs lineup too is always interesting to me because I, I mean you got Sosa who who's I mean basically a cheat code by himself. Um, you've got uh, I think Kerry Wood is on the mound in that game. I could be wrong. It might be Pryor. I think it's Wood though. Wood. And then. Uh, yeah, they got Sean Dust Dunstan. I, I think he might be with the team, but I know like Corey Patterson is on that team. Oh, Corey Patterson. Jeez. Um, 
fuck, there's there's some great names on that team too. And I'll I'll I have to look up one day. I'm just gonna bring up the rosters from this team, like these teams, and you guys are gonna be like, what the fuck? When was he on this team? When was he? I mean, because that was the year that I always said, like, Kenny Lofton in a White Sox uniform. I almost forgot about that. Like, you know. Um, but we gotta switch gears. So that was fun. We got to talk a little bit about sports video games. So the last thing we got to talk about is our reoccurring segment, the day in the history of sports. Uh, and we're going to take it back to 1988. And we're going to talk a little bit about Cubs history, which is a little uh, shakeup on the uh, home front here. August 9th of 1988, the Cubs win six to four against the New York Mets in the first official night game at Wrigley field, which technically it wasn't scheduled for August 9th of 1988 because August 8th, the day before, uh, the game got postponed due to a rainout. Uh, this is the first game on August 9th uh, that took place ever at Wrigley at night under the lights that they had uh, put in at the time. Uh, some notable names taking place uh, in this game would be Gary Carter uh, catching for the Mets, uh, Daryl Strawberry in right field, Keith, uh, Keith Hernandez at first base, Dwight Gooden, Ron Darling, and David Cohn rounding out the pitching staff. Um, and the Cubs obviously had Mark Grace and Ryan Sandberg that were mainstays in that uh, 80s, 90s uh, Cubs infield. Uh, you have Rafael Palmero in right field. Uh, Andre Dawson is in left. Greg Maddox pitching. Jamie Moyer and Goose Gossage. And Rick Sutcliffe uh, rounding off that pitching staff. Uh, Frank DePino ends up earning the win that night. And Gossage gets his 12th save as a Cub. Uh, Dawson has two RBIs with a single. Palmero tripled and scored that night. And Dykstra and Hojo, Howard Johnson, are the only home runs uh, in the game. The night game obviously revolution, uh, revolutionizes the Cub fan viewing of uh, games today. And uh, Wrigley wasn't a very uh, fun place to go to during the midday because if you lost light, there wasn't much they could do about it. No lights out there. Um, so thoughts on that, guys. I mean, this is something that obviously, uh, you know, Wrigley Field is one of the most historic stadiums, uh, obviously, in the market for professional sports um, to, to kind of bring night games to their fans and to uh, the Cubs in general uh, was, was revolutionary. Your thoughts on that, guys? I mean, it's, it was a moment in history, uh, sports history, Cubs history. I mean, they were the last team to sit there and put lights at their stadium. And it took them all the way to, you know, 1988 to actually, fuck, you know, get it off the ground. But it was originally, um, 1942 was when they were talking about originally putting out, uh, putting lights in at Wrigley. Right. And uh, uh, history is going to, you know, keep a look back at history. You know, Japanese attack Pearl Harbor around the same time um, kind of puts a damper and sets that, you know, putting lights in at Wrigley back. And, you know, here we are, uh, you know, it was about what, five, six years later, uh, Detroit, who was then one of two teams that did not have lights at that time, put in their lights. And here we are. Fast forward again, 1988. Hey, you know what, Cubs, let's do it now. And their last time uh, team to do it. I mean, they had uh, seven night games in uh, that 88 season, moved it up to uh, almost, you know, a little over double 18 in that next season. And now are, you know, about have just about 50 different, I guess you could quote, uh, night, you know, uh, things that they can schedule. That's in, uh, including different, uh, was it concerts, night games? And I mean, I'm a lifelong Cubs fan. 
There is nothing – I mean, Cubs and night games, don't get me wrong, it's nice and cool. But I think of Cubs games, I think of 120 start. I think of Wrigley Field, nice hot day, middle of summer, Bleacher. beers flowing. Bleachers are sure. absolutely packed, and it's 150 degrees in there. That is Cubs baseball it's to me. Don't get me wrong, night games I always think are cool, but you know what? Nothing is more iconic than Wrigley Field day game, and you see that – you see more day games at Wrigley, I feel like, than you do in the rest of MLB in general. Yes. Yeah, and it's always been a norm for the Cubs to play a uh, ton of day games uh, just because of both the history traditionally and um, just the fact that uh, it seems like a, a thing that they the, the players like doing as well is kind of having a game during the day. Uh, you're a little fresher. Um, but, yeah, any other thoughts on that, guys? Kevin, Joe? Well, I think, yeah, it's up the stage for night games at Wrigley, which is a big thing. Um, I've actually only been to one game at Wrigley Field. Um, I know, shocker, right? But it was a pi- – they were playing the Pirates. I think it was like a couple of years ago. And the only reason why I went is because I had free tickets. I would never pay for to see a game at Wrigley. <laughs> but, um, but I, I will admit, you know, it's a historical field, and it was really nice to see. Um, and I really enjoyed it in the night. I mean, and I know they're more known for their day games, as Glennie was saying, but it was, it, was, it was a nice night out. And, you know, when it's a beautiful night of baseball, you, you, you want to watch some – uh, games and enjoy your beer and you know go crazy in Wrigleyville and I think yeah 1988 set the tone for the night games and you know it's been great since so absolutely you know, I didn't know you had to pay to get into guaranteed seat field like that I thought they just <laughs> hand those motherfuckers <laughs> like, I, knew oh, that. I thought I thought you came in the tail game I, you don't have here you go let's fill well, up I mean, the bottom no, couple you can, rows you can get your seats for hey you know what you know what else is revolutionary you know what else is revolutionary toilets <laughs> what's wrong about yeah, pissing in the trough? In the I mean, many, we're all grown, man. How many times have you actually sit there and pissed outside? Didn't have to be. You don't need anywhere special to take a piss. I well, know, I but it's something they could have fucking no changed. I'm safe. No tickets. I'm not sit there on some. Okay, ways. so so being a guy that I think uh, uh, leans, I obviously have a bias towards my Chicago White Sox, but I also am a realist and a guy that can. Uh, uh, take in greatness or um, you know innovation no matter what light it's in and for the Cubs um, there's things about the stadium that still drive me wild uh, you know um, you know <laughs> there's obviously views in the ballpark behind columns that you, you can't see behind I think that's something that obviously could have been changed a long time ago um, you know they've, they've built up the entire um, you know <laughs> Waveland Avenue is now Cubs uh, way and uh, you know, they got six hotels and restaurants or whatever. It's a completely different feel. I mean, from when I was sure. a shit, even, I mean, five, six years ago, I mean, yeah. it is just a complete different Wrigley feel. I miss the old field. Don't get me wrong. You know, the new, new Wrigley looks nice. Looks, you know what? I miss that old field at the ballpark. You know but what? I, I mean, just going yeah. to Wrigley itself. I mean, the smells, the sounds, the organ playing. I mean, there's nothing better than a good feeling walking up at Wrigley field. I mean, it's, right fantastic in itself and that's not even to mention the bar scene that's around it right and then that's that's true too and there's there's things to be said about both ballparks um but when it comes to wrigley um the the fact that uh it took them as long as it did after world war ii i know you mentioned it glenny uh but obviously during world war ii they didn't think that the uh use of resources was 
um, you know, appropriate during the time we were in. And I, I do respect the fact that they did make that choice. Um, and another thing, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad obviously they made the change in 1988 as opposed to 2008, because I have seen a lot more games coming out of school or coming out of work, you know, when we were kids, uh, that's where I think the night game thrives is because a lot of people got shit going on during the day. And that's what drove me crazy about Cubs baseball for a while, especially, uh, you know, day games at one o'clock when you were in school, even though I'm a diehard White Sox fan, I'm a baseball fan in general, I wanted to watch games. So when I would come out of school, even elementary school at three o'clock in the afternoon, it was tough for me to catch the one o'clock game or even an inning of it, because by the time you got home, the game was over. So uh, it, it's definitely something that I think night games help working families and, and people that are, are doing things during the day uh, get to see more baseball. And I think that is another subject that I want to touch on slightly is um, the blackouts uh, for, for, you know, televised games in all sports. But the reason why a game like baseball, you know, needs fans uh, is because of uh, just, just the kind of lengths that we go to, to watch a game. Right. So if I wanted to watch the Oakland athletics play the Rockies and I'm living in Chicago, it's tough for me to get my hands on unless I buy the package, but there, there are freaks like me that have MLB network and things like that. That'll go and get those games, but the blackouts end up hurting kids who can't afford things like that. So what I'm hoping major league baseball does is, push towards obviously making games later in the day so kids can watch, but also letting kids watch multiple games from different areas. Their favorite player might not play in Chicago, you know? Um, I think baseball needs to capitalize on this, though, because it's a, it's a sport that obviously has been in the conversation of being the, the least uh, over, you know, the, the most underwhelming uh, of the major sports uh, when it comes to fan experience. But um, I'm hoping that they make the right decisions and, and they, they keep continuing to try to uh, abolish blackouts across the country and where, in which we can see every game. And it gives the, uh, the, uh, the ability to kids to kind of take in their favorite players and continue them being fans throughout their lives and passing it down to their kids. Uh, thoughts on that, guys? Well, you mentioned before you like uh, the later games better because uh, you work during the day, go to school. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100% with that. Uh, but the thing is, you don't want them to play too late. I like like a 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock For sure, game sweet spot, because, yeah. Yeah, because if you play too late, you know, you got to work in the morning, you got kids going to school in the morning. And that's what bugs me about the NHL when they have the Hawks playing at 9.30 at night. I'm like, I'm in bed, motherfucker. I have to wake up at 4.30. So it's like, I mean, but yeah, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock are prime time. I, I, I'd rather watch it then than there, there being a noon or a 1 o'clock game. Uh, but like, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday, I prefer day games. But on weekdays, I prefer night games. So I just want to add on to that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, night games are cool to watch. And like you guys said, working, it is hard to watch. But you know what? About 1.30, 2 o'clock is usually when I go on lunch. So go to the nearest spot with a TV, get to watch a couple innings of Cubs baseball, follow the rest of it on my phone most of the time. And you sit there and day games, like you said, Joe, perfect for the weekends everybody's uh you know looking to do something nothing to do not many people work on the weekends during the week night games yeah i mean it's 
I, I see what you mean, but I, my personal, me personally, I mean, just nothing more iconic than a day game at Wrigley Field. And that's something that I, I still love seeing. No doubt. Well, we got to wrap this thing up, boys. Um, episode four. What, what a fucking show. We had a lot to talk about. I know Joey, Joey had to get a lot off his chest about our White Sox. And, uh, <laughs> and we're glad to have Glennie on now uh, to give us a Cubs perspective. But uh, next week, we're going to be talking about uh, more baseball, of course. Hopefully a little bit more football. We'll get a better idea of what's going to be out on the front. And uh, we'll probably have another fun list or some kind of uh, interactive segment for the boys here. Um, we want to thank you for listening in. We want to thank you for listening in. Drop a subscribe. Uh, uh, leave a comment. Let us know if there's something that you guys want to see. Um, but we are uh, done with episode four, boys. How do we feel? It went very well, guys. I, I enjoyed it. Great episode. I want to keep this top three going. I like it, man. This is, this is fun to do, so let's keep this rolling. Oh, yeah, a lot oh. of fun. Thank you for uh, inviting me to join this great conversation. Hopefully, we keep on uh, bringing them. Uh, some energy, some some good talking topics. You know, it's a great time. I appreciate getting asked to do this, to come on with three of my favorite people in this world and be able to talk sports. I mean, this is like sitting at uh, Christmas Eve at Mima's house, sitting there talking to Sam. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just sitting, shit, here, baby. sitting here on uh, Spotify and Apple podcasts doing the same thing. And what more fun than this? Do it with three of my favorite people, three of my favorite fucking cousins. And this is awesome. Glad to be a part of this. Excited for next week. Absolutely. All right, boys. Well, thank you for listening. Another day, another dollar dog. Something.